Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine, also available on your Amazon Alexa as a skill. Um, today is going to be a slightly different podcast, what you may be used to. Um, we will touch on the FTSE 100 as it is up about 100 points on the day, about 1.5%, currently trading about 71.30. That's been helped by very much some strong results from BP, and that bodes well for the rest of the commodity sector. And they are moving up nicely with that uh, that FTSE touching uh, actually a, a two a two month high as we speak. So quite a solid day there on the markets. Um, however, and uh, the main body of our podcast today is actually going to be um, an interesting keynote speech from Mark Kimsey of Frederick and Oliver from our investor evening last week. Um, he talks about various different stocks that them are, as a company um, are looking at for their clients. He goes into the ins and outs of why um, certain FTSE 100 companies are buys and why some of those are sells. Um, he also takes some questions from the audience in regards to um, the nature of, of broker views and how that can impact stocks and how much you should be paying attention to those. So I'm going to pass you over to Mark. This is from the 31st of January um, at the UK Investor Magazine Investor Evening. Thank you. Um, good evening. Everyone, I'm Mark from Frederick and Oliver. Um, I've been asked to speak to you guys today about some uh, single stock situations, how to manage a portfolio in a volatile market and pick some winning shares. So uh, that's me finished already before I've started. <laughs> Thankless task, but I'll do my best. Um, so that's us. Um, I think in a in a market that's um, heavily dominated with lots of different news themes, it's very easy to become distracted by a lot of noise at the moment. We've got Trump's Twitter account, which is blowing up on a daily basis. Talk about the Chinese economic slowdown, trade tensions between US and China, and good old Brexit. I'm sick of saying that word for sure. Um, but all of these situations lead to lots of information, lots of stories, lots of reports and conflicting opinions which only muddies the waters. So to come back to some very basics, and if I'm teaching some of you how to suck eggs, excuse me already, but um, key, um, key considerations when looking to pick up a stock, um, firstly news, it's the, it's the biggest driver of prices in the stock market, if you see a share up or down 10% on the day, that's not through some weird freak uh, occurrence. That will be news driven. If you dig hard enough, you'll find something. Uh, Vodafone <coughs> jumped up 3% today, had a quick swizz around M&A activity within the sector. So there's always a story. News moves prices. You've got to stay close to it. And the the, the, the severity of the news trumps the next sector. If we were to work, work through global domestic sector stock, um, we can often stop at global news if Kim Jong-un has pressed a big red button and there's a rocket making its way towards the 
US, then everything else is forgotten about. Um, we don't need to worry about anything else. If there's no global news impacting stocks or sectors of interest, then we might look domestically. Should I buy a bank? Probably not at the moment because the domestic topic is Brexit. So that's going to impact the sector, then the stock. And of course, sector news, stock-specific news, you can work your way through a process to see if there's anything that's going to impact the, the shares you're looking to buy. Technical analysis, um, I, I don't believe in digging super deep into charts. I think by the time you've done it, you've, uh, you, you probably need to do it uh, all over again. Uh, Barry may disagree, uh, being an analyst, but I, I do believe in an element of charting, keeping it simple, just some support and resistance levels, look for trends and channels, and uh, that again should form part of your picture. And finally, the professional view, like them or loathe them, the big financial institutions, hedge funds, banks, um, they do have an opinion on most stocks, they make that public, that can be influential, and of course if they decide to then transact on their own recommendations, these guys have got big pockets and uh, they will certainly move stocks. So um, I would never invest on one of these three things, I would look for three ticks and even then that might just form the the start of your research, but I think it's important to realize there's three cores that you should always come back to before making an investment decision, and in my opinion, these are those. So I wanted to apply this to some stocks to see if I can give you some examples rather than, than theory. Um, the first few stocks I'll rattle through relatively quickly because they are fans' favorites that at the moment I'm trying to actively talk investors out of buying. Um, this includes Barclays, um, good old uh, British institution, and I think pre-financial crisis. This was, uh, this was a must-have in the portfolio, as were most banks, to be honest. You, you probably should have had three, four, or five of them. Uh, they were pretty solid, paid a good dividend, uh, too big to fail, banks don't go bust, and then 2008 came along. Um, so a lot of people still invest on this legacy love for the sector, but I'm afraid really that's now gone and um, uh, people probably need to realise that. So news, um, globally, yes, uh, of course, there'll always be something impacting Barclays. It, it is a global bank. It, it does have a presence in the US, but more domestically focused um, is the, the important story here. So I've uh, highlighted domestic. It's all about Brexit, UK economic uncertainty. That's where the bulk of Barclays business is done, right here in the UK. And until that gets cleared up, really, there's going to be a cloud hanging over this stock. Um, technical analysis, very quickly, we can see a very obvious downward trend there. And uh, to, to channel that is simply a couple of rails that cap the tops and bottoms of that trend. And you can see here, every time it's got anywhere near that upper line, it's failed bottom line, it's bounced, it is in a channel, and if people are ringing me now saying, should I buy some Barclays, perhaps excited by this little recovery, I'd probably say, no, you might get a chance to get it cheaper later on. Of course, this can all change. If that Brexit story, story gets sorted out, then this does come north out of this channel, and it's re revisit all of these core considerations once again. Um, the professional view on Barclays. Um, it is cheered by uh, most analysts, um, probably because uh, Barclays take them out for a bloody good lunch every now and then. Um, but uh, we can see here buy ratings, we've got 14 buyers, nine holds and three sells among the professionals that have chosen to comment. 
uh, average target price of 207. That's 29% higher than where we currently are. So it does get a, a thumbs up from a, a professional viewpoint, but I'm afraid that I wouldn't be investing solely on that until I saw some of the other core considerations change as well. That, that, that wouldn't be enough for me. So an overview. Sadly, the news isn't quite right. Technical analysis isn't supportive. Brokers are giving it a thumbs up, but I would, uh, I would wait until we get some ticks in the other boxes um, there as well. Um, Aviva, very similar situation. Again, it's another fan's favourite. So the reason I'm looking at these three first, which I'm telling you to probably stay away from for now, that's not what you signed up for. You wanted to come here and get some tips, and I'm just telling you not to get in the market. Um, but I want to warn you away from what I think are, are potential pitfalls, and then we'll move on to something that maybe looks a little more exciting. Um, again, same theme. Brexit's really hampering um, poor old Aviva. Um, started the year up here towards uh, five and a half pounds. Got to a lowly three pound sixty, so that's quite punishing for anybody who held it throughout that period. I'm going to attempt to use this laser. Here we've got steps on the way up. We can see a, a bounce off of here, a bounce off of here, another one. And then we get multiple bounces here confirming support at this time. So up until here, um, having a punt at this sort of £4.85 level would have been uh, relatively simple. But of course, as soon as it breaks down, then we need to work our way back to these steps to see if they'll come back in to save the share price. And it didn't happen there. It crashed down. Will this step come back and save us? No, that's gone. This one did momentarily, so we got a 4.10 bounce back up to 4.40. But when it came back and revisited, will it bounce? No, crashed down to these lows recently. And this 2018 decline is all Brexit focused. It's entirely Brexit responsible. We've had this move back north again now, which is reassuring, but we're messing around with this level again. So we just need to see if we get a kick off of here or not. But for me, still, this is definitely a downward trend, um, notwithstanding that recent bounce. Um, again, brokers are quite supportive, but then I suppose they would be on the basis that a lot of these brokers probably gave forecasts for this stock maybe three months ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, and they've maybe not adjusted them yet. So when they were at four quid and they were tipping them for five, um, that was understandable. But as the shares moved down to, to three and uh, £3.60, as we saw on the slide before, it does push these average prices up. Um, we've got three quarters of um, analysts rating this as a, as a buy, so overwhelming support. We can't also ignore that there's not a single sell rating on the stock, um, although that might cause concern for some. And the average price target is £5.17, 25% higher. But again, I don't think that you can invest in a stock just because the brokers say so. Um, we need to see a real change in the underlying themes. Brexit's got to be cleared up and that chart has to turn around before we can then start factoring in what the institutions are saying. Finally, my final don't touch it just yet stock, Taylor Wimpy. Again, um, house builders have been very kind to investors in recent years. They've had a spectacular rally from the financial crash lows. We had interest rates cut severely. Um, we had uh, um, uh, incentives to buy, the, the, the help to buy scheme and, and so on. So 
uh, they've been on the march for a good few years, but it's just whether or not now um, that's perhaps coming to an end, that party. Uh, we see £2.12 uh, the start of 2018, got down to a lowly Um It's nice that we've seen this bounce, and actually for anybody who did get involved here, you're looking at about 35% there in no time at all, a couple of months. So for the brave or the crazy, um, that, that was good. My fear is now that at this point, the majority of retail investors will be finding the confidence 35% later to say, oh, that stock's starting to look good. It's like when your mum starts telling you about Bitcoin, you know, it's not the time to buy. And I fear that a lot of retail investors now will be saying, oh, house builders look good. Um, no, they did there, not so sure there. And we bring in, again, um, resistance levels. A resistance level is simply a line at which the shares keep retreating from. And although it's not a straight resistance level, it certainly is resistant at the moment. We keep seeing the share price hit its head and fall back south, and we're there now again. And also, if you look at the potential either side of this, it's a bit 50-50 as well, whether we can get back up to highs or end up back at lows. And... Um, that's probably a, a bit too risky for, for, for most. So, again, these, these stocks are not... It's not a case of walk away from these and never touch them again. Um, Lloyd's one day will be well worth buying. We're talking about one of the largest banks, well, the largest bank, depending on uh, which book you look at, in the UK. Um, in the 50 pences, that's going to prove pretty cheap come some point. Um, same with... Barclays, Aviva, Taylor Wimpy. So there will be a time to get these. My message is try and resist the temptation just yet until something gets sorted with these on a news flow basis. And we see now that um, a lot of brokers are still saying pick them up, uh, buy rating 72%. Average price target only 5% higher. And I would probably suggest it's that recent 35% increase in share price that's caused this stock to meet a lot of those targets now. So it would be interesting to see if some of these brokers start reworking their calculations and changing their views on the stock. But once again, it's a Brexit-impacted domestic share that I don't believe is worth backing just yet on the basis that the professionals are saying do so. We do need a change in story and a change in trend. So, some stocks that I do like. Fresnillo. Um, this is a Mexican-based gold and silver miner. Um, this is a stock that tends to move conversely to most others um, because we know that in times of economic uncertainty, investors will invest in precious metals seeking some security in terms of their cash. So any stock that is directly related to that precious metal price will be the beneficiary or victim of that underlying commodity price movement. Um, Fresnillo is also the only FTSE 100 company now that you can invest in if you want access to precious metals. Rangold Resources was the only other which was um, solely gold focused but that has been bought by Barrett Gold now and delisted from the FTSE. So it used to be a case that Rangold Resources and Fresnillo would always spike north in times of trouble and hopefully those investors that would have picked up Rangold will now pick up Fresnillo because there isn't much uh, of an option really at the, the, the blue chip end of the market. So, news. We can stop at global. Uh, we don't need to dig any deeper. 
We've got lots of news. I've highlighted it green because it's good for the stock, although not good for the, mo the, the most part. Uh, US-China trade tensions, all the while that continues as a reason to be cautious. That dreaded B word and uh, talk of a global growth slowdown. I think Italy today confirmed it was in recession with its latest GDP update. Um, the rest of Europe probably isn't far behind it and questions are being asked about uh, China's economic uh, strength as well at the moment. So all of that would lead towards uh, an appetite for precious metals. Uh, technicals, um, just highlighted support here. Um, we do have a rising support line coming from, well, yesteryear, but uh, it is making its way up. We've had a touch here and we've had a touch here. Working its way up towards this £10 line, which was uh, a problem here as resistance and resistance. Resistance turns uh, port, a little test and a bounce there. That's a sort of textbook moment there. Um, so as it approaches 10 quid again, we do need to exercise caution. But of course, I did this two days ago and it's already out of date. It did go through 10 quid today. Uh, we're probably trading around here somewhere. So I'm not saying we've got a green light up to 14 pounds, but um, I like it even more now that it has got through this level. Interestingly as well, this moment of madness here, that spike is probably about a month's worth of data there. That's a, a month's worth of trading. And you can see 10 pounds up to 20 pounds. That one month there is the middle of 2016 when the UK voted to leave the EU. So on that day, the stock market did lose its head. A lot of those domestic stocks were hit hard. Taylor Wimpy fell uh, about 40% that day. So too Lloyd's. Um, Actually, this stock on the day was up 12%. A couple of weeks later, it was up 55%. And as you can see here, one month, maybe five weeks, that's doubled in price, £10 to £20. You can see where the money went as soon as we had that Brexit madness and nobody knew quite what to do with their money. Move on to the professional view. Um, again, we've got uh, an overwhelming amount of buy ratings here. Uh, only one saying sell, which is nice. Uh, average target price, uh, about 11 quid, which is 10% higher now. But I think as this Brexit story unravels, perhaps a little more uncertainty. Now that we're through that resistance level, I would expect some of those targets to be revisited and perhaps pushed higher. So um, Fresnillo, plenty of ticks there. Um, I think if somebody wanted to buy that stock, I wouldn't question their sanity at all. Moving on, Vodafone. This has uh, caught my attention in recent times just because of this misery here. Um, £2.40 at the start of last year, currently trading at around 135 136 That's no reason to buy, by the way. That's, uh, that's when my dad buys. He likes to catch falling knives. Um, but it does make my I quite like it, keep an eye on it list um, on the basis that there is a potential level for a bouncing coming, and if not, there are a few not far thereafter. Um, news, sector and stock specific, I don't believe that Vodafone is particularly impacted by Donald Trump nor Brexit. Um, it's relatively steady. It's what we would refer to as a defensive stock on the basis that we'll all pick up the phone whether or not we're laughing or crying. Um, and incoming from a sector uh, um, perspective, there's the 5G, 5G rollout, 
um, due for the end of this year, start of next year. All right, we're looking 12 months out, but I'm really excited by this. Uh, apparently, you can download just from space or whatever that magic is um, a full HD movie in like 30 seconds. So it's kind of Wi-Fi on the go, which um, I believe most individuals would want on the basis we probably watch more Netflix on our phone than we do talk to people. And I would have thought that businesses would be um, chomping at the bit to get their workforce enabled and as, uh, and as productive as this and being able to work at, at such capacity. Also, there will be a knock-on into um, the handset market and also chip makers as well because currently there's not a 5G-ready uh, handset on the market. So all of the phones that we've got in this room right now won't be able to deal with this technology. So there'll be lots of new gadgetry, lots of new toys, lots of people queuing up outside the Apple shop to sign their life away for three years for a two grand phone just so they can uh, download movies five times quicker than they could do before. Um, so I'm excited by what's incoming for the sector. Also, um, Vodafone's latest update was steady. It wasn't super exciting. Things are okay. Some areas are progressing. Some are retracting. On balance, um, it, it's pretty steady. And most importantly, the dividend's safe. And that's why, caveat, note the asterisks, it's safe until they say otherwise. Um, the last trading update a few months ago, they said we're not going to cut the dividend. They did just give us an update last week as well. And again, they didn't cut the dividend. That dividend at the moment is at 10%. Um, that's quite a phenomenal return on your money if you wanted to buy some shares and park them for a year. Um, okay, we don't want to do that if the shares are going to drop 20%. That's a false economy. But on the basis, we've gone from 240 to 135. Well, you've certainly missed out on that bit of a decline. Um, hopefully, if we get a bouncing coming off of one of these levels, um, and also, not that it's the purpose of investing, but if you want to try and get away with it, if you were to buy Vodafone and sit on it for two years and it uh, went down by 20%, that would be put right by two years of 10% dividend. So, um, and someone asked me today, actually, um, what the chances of me making 10% on this trade capital growth? Well, of course, I don't know the answer to that. But um, when we're talking about one, let's call it 140 in round numbers, uh, every 14p is 10%. So can it go from 136 to £1.50 and give us that 14p? Well, it was there last week. So we're not asking for a miracle for these shares to return to values we've not seen for years. Can it just get back to where it was last week? That'd give you 10%. And if you get stuck in it for another year, well, there'll be another 10% incoming. So um, I'm attracted to it for those reasons. Uh, future outlook for the sector, the fact that the, the updates are pretty steady, it's got this chunky dividend. Um, technically, it does get across because that is no reason to buy just yet, but this is more one to sort of stick on the radar uh, and just keep an eye on it. Professional view, um, very supportive. 64% of ratings are buy ratings, only four are saying sell. And that average price target is pretty crackers, 40% higher. Um, these targets, by the way, are, are, unless stated otherwise, they're assumed they're a 12-month target. Whether it'll go up 40% in 12 months, um, I wouldn't like to say. But if it got halfway there, we'd be pretty happy. Um, so Vodafone, we've got more ticks than crosses. Um, would I go in just yet? 
not sure. I might wait and see if we can get it a little bit cheaper and if it comes down to one of those previous lines. If we get a kick off of that and it looks like it will bounce, uh, then perhaps that's your, your green light to, to get involved. Come to my last stock, um, Rio Tinto. Um, again, I like this, uh, this stock. It's uh, very much globally diverse. It has operations on six of the seven continents. Um, it's, uh, it's probably easier to list the metals that it doesn't pull out of the ground. It's got a, a very wide range of industrial metals, coppers, um, aluminium, um, we could be looking at zinc, uh, precious metals as well. Um, we've got uh, gold and silver, uh, diamonds as well, Rio's uh, involved with. So truly, uh, if it's in the ground, they're pulling it out somewhere. Um, so a nice diverse product base means they're, they're not backing one horse in, in what they offer. Um, globally, we feel there's good news ahead. US-China trade deal likely. Um, they're both cutting their noses off to spite their face at the moment, in my opinion. Um, we're seeing that both nations are falling victim of this trade spat. They're both putting pretty aggressive tariffs on each other's products when they're imported, uh, and that is affecting economic uh, numbers that we're seeing coming out of both uh, countries. So we would expect them to kiss and make up at some point. Um, that would certainly be a green light for a, a company like Rio Tinto, as China are the world's largest consumer of metals. Um, and currently, sector news, uh, Vale, uh, another huge mining company, have got an iron ore mine offline at the moment um, because of this uh, uh, dam disaster that you might have seen in Brazil uh, that's flooded a mine, taken it offline, um, and Rio are big in iron ore so that iron ore price has just shot up because there's a scarcity now with this mine offline so Rio are benefiting from that. Um, support trends, channels, lots of ticks here from a technical perspective. We've got these two rails, uh, we've got this upward trend, we've got this support here at 35, multiple touches at 35, just bounced off it again. There is a, a line that I failed to draw here at £40, capping recent highs over the last six months. But today, again, this is now out of date already, shares hit 42 quid, so they've blown that £40 out as well. So there's a good chance now for this to work its way up into this area here. Uh, could get up and test this 45 again. Uh, and if it goes north of that, uh, perhaps 50 uh, could be on the cards. Because of its recent share price performance, um, it's caught up with targets. Um, so actually, I've highlighted this red because nobody wants to play the market for 1%, which is the average price target across those that have commented. Uh, buyer ratings make up the minority, but sorted by, uh, supported sorry, by many holds as well, um, which I tend to look at as positives if a broker's saying, hold this stock, well, it, it, it can't be bad. Um, so a quick overview. Um, news, I like. Technical analysis looks good. Professional view isn't particularly great at the moment, but um, if I was going to dismiss one of those three, it might be the broker views, and I could be tempted on that today, especially with the broker breakout through £40. Um, so I realise that message has been quite repetitive and I've given you some things to perhaps 
walk away from and some stocks to maybe walk towards. But I just wanted to stress the importance of having a core reference point in your stock research. There are many rabbit holes that you can dive down when doing your analysis, and this probably shouldn't constitute your entire analysis, but I believe it's a great place to start, and you can go and look for opportunities thereafter. That's me. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> We've got a second or two. There's a burning question from the floor. Someone, anyone with a question? No questions from my colleague, John, because he's a smart ass. <laughs> At this point, Mark was asked by a member of the audience why uh, share prices are driven by broker views and why sometimes if you have 80 or 90% of investment bank brokers tipping a share as a buy, you actually see the stock decline. So that's quite a good question there uh, that well, Mark's going to address now. The thing with the, bro the broker comments and why they should be factored in but not constitute uh, a, a, a decision-making um, component in, in its own right is because they actually change their mind as well, um, which is uh, pretty tough for us, us investors. So firstly, they will tip a stock for 12 months out. This is going up 40% in 12 months time is their view. But if in six months time the share price has gone down 10%, it, it is common for a broker to say, no, that's a sell now, not a buy, and we predict it will fall by 20%, and then to change their mind once again. So it, it is nice to see lots of buy ratings on something you're considering buying, and lots of sell ratings on something you're considering not buying, um, but it, it should form a very small part of your decision-making process. In the next question, Mark was asked, again, quite a good question from a member of the audience as to how uh, investment bank brokers and analysts actually rate their shares, what methods they use. Um, this is obviously something if you work in the industry is known, but um, for investors just purely reading the tips, um, Mark's got quite a good insight. I think that there are probably about 4 million components uh, that make up those broker comments. Um, yes, of course, they'll bash the calculator and look at uh, what they believe is fair value for that stock future looking. But what they're factoring in, it could be a product line, it could be where they, you know, if you could have a broker that believes in 12 months time, China's going to be in a great place or China's going to be in a terrible place. Well, just by having those views on China, you will work your way back through spending, commodity prices, demand, and then you get to a share price for the stock. And, and that's another reason why you can't rely solely on those, because I've seen it where a, uh, a broker comment has been issued, uh, or two have been issued rather, on one stock on the same day, and one's a buy and one's a sell, and one's saying north 10%, one's saying south 10%. These are both you know, great brains um, that uh, have come up with differing opinions. So it is just an opinion, but it's nice to see that weight of opinion. Is it generally on your side or, or generally not? Thanks, Mark.